The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to episode number 375 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined as always by the curious Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? What is happening? I'm always curious. Always be curious. And you are actually someone that I think does such a good job of staying curious inside of this industry. You're always asking the right questions, trying to learn more. And, uh, you know, I, I aspire to be like you, Fast. Oh, that's very kind. Nick and I were just having a conversation that we probably should have recorded because it would have been, I'm sure it might have been interesting for people to hear just about pitch movement and the way that it's categorized and how, you know, I think about this a lot. We see this with pitch classification, which Nick and I were talking about earlier as well, where it's like Fangraphs thinks this is a sinker and Baseball Savant thinks it's a slider. And you Darvish is like, are you kidding? That's my Supreme. And we're like, what's a Supreme? And he's like, you idiots. And then he laughs and then he gets a six year contract for $160 million, whatever. That's right. Pitch movement is also, there is no real uniformity to that. Nick and I were looking at um, the pitch movement leaderboards on Baseball Savant sorting by sliders and right-handed pitchers and just looking at movement, not compared to average. And a good thing for people to be aware of is that Baseball Savant doesn't include negatives in their leaderboards. So the example I gave was Corey Abbott gets negative 10 inches of movement on his slider, which, as Nick pointed out, isn't really a slider. It's like a I got gotcha. you. I wasn't going to finish it for you. I was more going to say like, hey, Corey Abbott, that's the name you expected to hear today, right? <laughs> uh, and then Michael Lorenzen also gets, uh, he gets 10 inches of movement on his slider as well. Baseball Savant says, hey, they both get 10 inches of movement, which is a valid way of doing it. That that makes sense logically. It doesn't matter if it breaks which way. They're getting 10 inches of movement, right. but they're getting 10 inches of movement in drastically different directions. So putting yeah. them on the same leaderboard back to back. Uh, kind of miscategorizes, miscategorizes, you know, kind of misses the point. Um, yeah. Anyway. I mean, having it as a slider in the first place, it's a shootout. Uh, that's what sure. I used to throw is the reverse oh. slider is how it, well, that's, there was a way of throwing your two seamer. I always like emphasize like, okay, cool. I'm going to throw it like a, a more aggressive one. My, mm. uh, my understanding as a kid of what, <laughs> of what like made pitches move is so wrong. Um, sure. when it came to like a two seamer, uh, my understanding was that you make a two seamer move arm side by pushing off the laces 
uh, to your left, like with your index finger and your middle finger to the left of the ball instead of using same shifted wake and everything that we know now, right? Mm. And so what I did is I really wanted it once. I was doing like a backdoor two-seamer to a, to a righty. As a right-hander, I would reach out. I would make sure I mentally think about this, keep my hand on top of the ball and extend as far as I could, mm. and then take my index finger and then, you know, like you're holding a slider, Essentially, you mm-hmm. have your index finger on it, and then it's the right side of your finger coming down. That's how you throw a slider. I would do the opposite. So the left side of my index finger pushing down. Mm. And if you're doing that right now, you just you extend your hand and then push down your left side. You can feel your left wrist tilt, mm. right? It's pronating. And you right? don't, yeah, you don't want to do this. Uh, it's not good for your elbow to do it like that. But essentially, it's creating that reverse sliders you know spin like think of it as a lefty throwing a slider that's the same thing so that's what a shooto is uh, apparently and so i would throw this all the time <laughs> that's this was like my my two strike pitch against right handers was this i uh, and it worked but um i would not do that now we could we could talk about this for a long time because there's a lot of interesting things to talk about when it comes to movement but that's not what you signed up no. for uh, if you do want to continue to have conversations about movement profiles and shootos and sweepers, you can always sign up and and uh, uh, to PL Plus and come to our Discord because we're always yeah. talking uh, uh, about about things with baseball. Thank you, very good. Uh, we but, have uh, well over a thousand members now, by the way. It's not, it's not like yeah, it is really it's it's such an amazing community that Discord. It's always moving. It's always we have news updates, everything that you'd want really inside of the fantasy baseball community people to help with any questions you have all the channels you'd ever want and an easy way to sift through it all so you should definitely be a part of it you definitely should uh all right we can get into what we're talking about today we're wrapping up nick's top 100 it doesn't mean it's the last podcast we're going to be doing about this because nick was a lunatic and wrote 500 gazillion words on 300 (laughs) pitchers but this is this will wrap up the top 100 just again to give you some clarity on what the next couple of weeks are going to look like the next episode will be hey these are some of the dudes who moved around or maybe a a dude that we might have missed because of the movement in the top 100 then we're going to break down 100 to 200 overall then 200 to 300 and then get to my my top 100 so plenty of delicious baseball oh, pitching you got, content you've got like two weeks left fast um yeah i'm actually in a pretty good place i have i have right now you. i have about 50 pitchers ranked um and i'm feeling confident i'm working on another project that's keeping me up very late at nights that i can't say anything about yet we keep teasing it but soon i'll be able to talk about it yeah God, the I'm things so that you've sent me are really cool i'm really, very excited really, really cool but let's get into um, let's get into what we're the pitches we're going to talk about today. Number ninety one through one hundred. Today's theme is going to be pitch types. Pitch types is today's theme. We'll keep it. I don't know topical. anything about pitch types. I yeah, exactly. About them. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think we're. Oh, I was looking at a different list here. So we're still in the middle of uh, a tier. This is actually just going to be. You're only going to have to say one pitch type here because tier this twelve is easy. started. This is so. This is so easy. All right. Okay, great. So we started with tier twelve at number eighty nine, which is Mike Soroka. Ninety was Merrill Kelly. Number ninety one is Tywin Walker. What is this tier called? Why is it called that? So think right now. If you guys know me, what should the Toby tier be called? Um. The guys you can't trust and you don't want to add to your team. It's the not. I would say a here. Oh, I would say a splitter. But okay, go ahead. That was the. I think that was the first piece of merch we ever made. Was don't trust a knuckleballer. Don't trust a knuckleballer. Where the person made one, and then I said, "Can you add a bandana over there?" Like they're like doing like a 
uh, heist from like the Western, you know, you can't <laughs> trust him. And uh, that's the first, I think it's the first shirt we ever made. So don't trust the knuckleballer. Oh, perfect. Uh, and so it's knuckleball tier. It's just all Toby's that like you don't want to be trusting out of the gate. The first uh, non-knuckleballer knuckleballer that we'll be talking about in, in this tier, because he doesn't throw a knuckleball, but he is apparently a knuckleball, uh, according to the tier ranking, is Taiwan Walker, who's moved over to a new team in, in Philly. 349 ERA, lowest ERA since 2017. 405 Sierra, lowest since 2015. Whip still hovering around 1.2. Um, really nice to see him increase his splitter usage last year, both to lefties and righties, even getting it to the point where it was the pitch he went most to when it came to lefties. He led lefties uh, with splitters a lot. Still possesses a relatively league average four-seamer with no other viable heaters and a slider that doesn't really get a ton of whiffs. I personally think he can take some strides in the whip department when it comes to the splitter and that he can sustain these kind of low BABIPs and maybe keep that sub 120 whip, especially because he's got Trey Turner behind him in Philly now. Um, and I like having him at shortstop for, for, for Taiwan Walker. This ranking of 91, though, I mean, you said he's a Toby. It doesn't make me feel like you're really realistic about another good season from Taiwan Walker. Well, uh, fastball velocity fell down a tick, and his splitter had to save him. 15% usage up to 27%. Uh, its O-swing was a peak at 46%. Its swing striker was a peak at 17%. In short, the splitter saved Taiwan Walker's season last year, and he still had a 20% strikeout rate, not a 25% or so, and about a 120 whip. I don't think that Walker is going to be as good again with that splitter. The slider does not save him. 54.7% strike rate. That's a sub 55% rate. That's not reliable uh, for Tywin Walker's slider. 32% hard contact rate on that breaking ball as well. Yeah, and the four seamers, uh, I mean, it had a high called strike rate at 23%, thus a near 33% CSW cool i'm all for that but 31 percent hard contact 255 batting average allowed your favorite wilba 345 mm. wilba allowed this isn't a good offering that is going to make me feel great on my fantasy teams it's really just about yeah how good is that splitter going to be again i don't think it's going to be as good as it was in short it's a splitter i don't love relying too heavily on it not even as a number two but this is really as the number one uh for taiwan walker and that's too much for me to ask for I, I recognize, though, as you said, the the Phillies got better. They have a better defense behind them. It's a good offense, a fair amount of wins. They'll allow Tywin Walker to go deep into these games. I mean, it's really nice, I think, for the Phillies that you have Nola Wheeler and now Walker potentially going six with consistency. That's mm. you know that's a good thing considering the woes we've seen over the years for the bullpen. Though it's better than it used to be, but still, um, yeah, it's just it's fine, I guess, but. Man, I, I just don't want to go with it. <laughs> I, I think it's too pedestrian. It's too Toby-like, so he's at 91. Sorry, yeah, I mean, I, I might not be as pessimistic about the splitter overall. I mean, I know, obviously, your, your concerns with splitters and guys who are so splitter-dominant, but, I mean, PLV really liked that that splitter. I mean, it had a 5.21, significantly above average, 46% pitch qual- quality pitch was 86th percentile. I, I am not necessarily against that it was good last year. You just I'm not saying that. I don't think it will carry. Is the, is the okay. thing? Yeah. Okay. 
Um, well, let's move on to number 92 and keep this theme of guys who had diminished velocity going. Um, this is now uh, the third consecutive year we have seen a decline in four-seam velocity from Nathan Eovaldi. 2019, he was back at 97.5, and then we can swap those numbers for 2022 as he was sitting 95.7. Uh, hey. Lowest lowest K percentage since 2018, highest FIP since 2016. Three consecutive years, though, of a high three ERA with a near 13% swing strike rate and a near 1.2 whip. Um, last year, though, the fastball saw its lowest swinging strike rate since 2016, which is it makes sense if the you know the velo was trending in that direction. He did also, man, very a lot of similarities between him and Walker. Increased the splitter usage to a career high 21% for Nathan Eovaldi last year, and for good reason. Sub 200 WOBA, near 200 X WOBA, 24% swinging strike rate. Even though it got hit a little bit, the thing is obviously. He's going to be a spring training guy. If he's sitting 96 in spring training, then you're like, all right, Nathan Eovaldi is back. If he's sitting 94, which he did, you know, he did so in September and August. Uh, and the sample size was small, but it wasn't terrible. No, that was no, no, that, the 93, 94. And yeah, he had like a six game stretch of a 291 ERA and a 124 whip for Eovaldi, but a 17% strikeout rate. And before that stretch, yeah. it was a nine earned run game. I, I I remember when Uvalde was going through that and just saying, guys, we can't risk this. This is just hmm. terrifying to watch and endure. And Uvalde should get the Orioles first, I would think. I, I wonder how the Rangers are going to construct their mm -hmm. rotation. I would imagine DeGrom, John Gray, and Martin Perez are first. But if not, it's a little bit tougher uh, for Nathan Uvalde if you were the number three. Um, that would be against the Phillies. I would not want to start Evaldi for that, especially the mm -hmm. current state. Now, as you mentioned, if he's sitting 96, 97 in spring saying, look, all those injury woes are gone now. Maybe I'm a little bit more encouraged. I don't know if I want to still start him against the Phillies. That's one of the premier offenses, I think, right now, um, even without Bryce Harper. Maybe not actually as premier without Bryce Harper, but still a very, very good one. I uh, It just feels too icky again. Um yeah, the splitter was the thing, but without that velocity, the whole package just kind of falls apart. And, you know, even if it does come back, is Eovaldi a top, like, 30, 40 pitcher? Hmm. I don't know. He was showing flashes of that before. The health has always been a big question with him. And so when I'm in a situation like this, if the if you're hoping for something to happen for a guy... And he doesn't automatically become like a top 40 or top 50 guy because of it. Should you really be hoping that hard for it? You can get kind of enamored by that. So I think that Evaldi can be a very good effective pitcher for you through the year if he does have 96, 97. But it's not like a potential top 20 guy in my view. Um, so I, I just found myself saying, yeah, I'm not really interested in chasing this. Sure, if it happens in the spring, if the velocity goes up, I'd probably push him into the 60s or 70s or something like that. But as of right now, Evaldi's at 92. Um, okay, let's move on to uh, a guy who is currently in the Yankees rotation with the Frankie Montas injury, and that's Domingo Herman. was looking at their schedule, and they have a game on Thursday. Um, obviously, they're off right after opening day, and then a string of what is that six consecutive games? So you got to figure, figure. You know, he's not getting skipped. They're not going to go with a four-man rotation to start the year. Domingo Herman's probably going to get the ball of, uh, against the Phillies. Um, 
still not. I mean, I, I don't think I think Frankie Mata said maybe he is a little bit ahead of schedule, but I think it's kind of rolled out that he's going to be starting the year. Um, but I believe that's what I heard. Did you hear something different? No, I I, I haven't heard anything really. Um, the Yankees have gone rotation. Sorry, I uh, bullpen games before on the first turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's always so strange. The Yankees like, eh, we're a little different for the first start of the year. We'll see how guys are feeling at the moment. Domingo Herman, I mean, I do want to mention right away, has a DV charge on record, so mm. we don't like the guy. Um, but, I, yeah, he's in the situation. He might get the number five spot. He looks like it is instead of Clark Schmidt. As far as ability goes, I think Herman's ability is better than Clark Schmidt. We've seen him be a effectively an SP2 in the first half when we initially lost the least Severino, um, for those who had Severino on their fantasy teams back in 2019. Uh, and... We know that that is still there with a really good curveball, solid fastball and changeup. They're not the most amazing fastball and changeup combinations, but it's good enough. The Yankee defense is actually was really surprisingly good last year. I don't, I didn't, I heard someone mention that. I looked it up. It was like, yeah, wait, hold on a second. We kind of undervalued how good the Yankee defense was, mm-hmm. um, which does help their starters a bit. And then obviously the winning uh, ball club aspect that does help Domingo Herman. So, I can understand going after Herman. Um, however, if he is going against the Phillies in his first matchup, I no thank you. Um, mm. And it's a situation. I mean, again, it's the 90s. These are not guys I'm drafting. So I would be looking at this saying, all right, uh, let's see how the things are going after the first or second week. Maybe Domingo Herman is the person I want to snag a start from. Okay. Um kind of flying through here but i'm excited to get to this next guy who's coming in at number 94 and that's miles michaelis so last year top 50 pitcher by espn player rater standards which makes sense because you got innings you got a dozen wins and you got fantastic ratios you just didn't get a lot of strikeouts there wasn't really a truly substantive change that occurred for michaelis either Still going heater about 27% of the time. Still going slider about 25% of the time. Drop the changeup usage down a little bit. In terms of handedness, didn't really switch things up all too much against righties. Maybe a bit more curveball slider to lefties. Still sprinkling in a bit of sinkers. But I don't think that's the reason why we saw a career year for him. I think that is because Michaelis had a really good four-seamer last yeah. year. 12% swinging strike rate. Career high. 275 Woba. 289 X Woba. 45% ground ball rate was really good and that's good especially with that defense behind him in st louis went arm side with the pitch a little bit more in the zone as often but with less zone contact overall uh, making me think he could theoretically sustain some of those gains the slider location for michaelis though theoretically needs to change he left the zone left the pitch in the zone a lot uh 40 zone rate 91 percent zone contact uh on that slider um good amount of hard contact too although relatively not as bad sinker also took a really huge step forward for him career low woba and batting average against 23 percent hard contact on michaelis's sinker is really great career low for him that four seamer you just decided he's going to come arm side start focusing on the sinker glove side and the results were were there so i don't know it it, it looks like nick that his 2019 was the outlier and maybe not the 2018 but the faces that you're making right now are just saying i'm not buying any of this miles michaelis oh man <laughs> okay i uh, plv hates michaelis's four seamer like absolutely mm-hmm. hates it 
And one of my favorite stats that we've come up with, I think this is such an intuitive way of talking about Babip and all, um, is instead of phrasing it as Babip, is instead of saying hit luck, essentially uh, the total amount of hits uh, allowed subtracted by the uh, amount of predicted hits that we had um, based on the appeal of the pitches that they saw, right? Essentially okay. just saying like how many hits did he get or did he not allow that he should have, right? The league average, and this is kind of to show you like, yeah, this works, is the SP average is minus two, right? So you generally as a four-seamer, you allow, according to hours, about two fewer hits than we think you should, which mm -hmm. is pretty much like, that's good. That's how it should be, right? Um, luck should normalize like that. Miles Michaelis's four-seamer allowed a minus 29, 29 mm -hmm. fewer hits on his four-seamer than he should have, according to us which is the 99th percentile of all four-seamers. That, that can't stick around. A 479 PLV overall, his quality That's minus average. bad pitch. What? What is? Oh, yeah, it's an average four-seamer. Well, right. That's exactly right. Everything that we talked about saying is it's an exceptional pitch. It's not. It isn't. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's uh, quality minus bad pitch percentage. Essentially, we take all the quality ones and we subtract about the bad ones which is my little equivalent of K minus walk rate. Yep, it's it's average 55th percentile of negative 1.7. I mean, it's it's actually 85th percentile of average pitch percentage <laughs> of 24%, right? Um, and that's that's where it is for me. I, I, I think that Michaelis had good fortune here. Um, I think it worked out well for him. With a four-seamer, it was one of those years, and we just kind of move on from it. Uh, mm -hmm. I think those that are expecting Michaelis to re to replicate a 329 ERA and a 103 whip are going to be sorely disappointed this year. Um, 90th percentile in BABIP this year at 250. Um, and if you're wondering how, Nick, are you getting all of these percentiles and easy PLV stuff, it's all on the player page. It's activated mm -hmm. right now. That yellow bar is the percentile of every single stat on our player page. Oh, it's so wonderful. I'm sorry. It's just making my life so much easier right now. Um, yeah, his overall swing strike three is 12th percentile of 9%. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I don't want to buy in on this uh, with Michaelis. I don't, I just don't think there's enough to chase for you to really go after in a 12-teamer, and he has a tough start to begin the year. The Cardinals, uh, they they have to go against the Blue Jays in St. Louis, not in Toronto, but still, they have to go against the Blue Jays and then Atlanta, both in St. Louis. So regardless of however you want to construct their rotation, you don't want to do it. And it's what we talked about with Jordan Montgomery and Flaherty, but it applies to Michaelis as well. So the thing I'll say about the hit luck thing, though, is... If you have two of the top five defenders at their respective positions behind you in the infield, mm -hmm. is that hit luck not theoretically more sustainable than it would be? So we for could. A so average? absolutely, there. It's a possibility. I, I don't think the Cardinals rank among like the top five of the defense, though. They do an infield, just overall. Yeah, but does it does it matter what their outfield does if he's getting so many ground balls with the four seamer? It's possible. I. Uh, it's possible that could be part of the hit luck that is, you know, not getting quantified. Do you think that it goes from a 99th percentile all the way down to a 50th? Then, I don't think so. Um, 
as in like is it negative 29 does he get negative 29 again or does it come back down it, a little bit yeah come down to maybe like let's say negative 12 or something like that fine i mean that's okay at least we can recognize that there's good fortune in the way and for miles michaelis last year sure but even if we even if some of those hits uh some of those hits that get gobbled up by tommy edmund and nolan arenado you know turn around it's it's how bad how you, you think that's going to lead to a full jump and run for, for ERA. I mean, you could sustain it like a three, six, three, seven. I don't like playing the game of I uh, of, oh, let me, let's say look at Ranger Suarez who had a 170 ERA or so. I mean, looked at like all the, the luck that he got and said, well, yeah, if you just add on a, a, a one and a half runs, it's still like a three, two ERA or something like that. It doesn't mm-hmm. work that seamlessly. Uh, I wouldn't even say that. And also, if sure, if you want to say that Michaelis has like a 3.7 ERA and a 115 whip and a like a 17% K rate, I'm like, that's a Toby. And mm-hmm. not really something I want to chase, especially when the first start is bad. And that's even agreeing with you know, the, what you're saying, which I think it could be worse. Sure. Yeah, I hear you. I think for me, since it's, I, I think it's, it's a good point. I agree. I mean, yeah, it, there's it's tough to make an argument that the Ks are going to go above 20% ever. Um, but I think with that walk rate, even if the whip jumps up to 110, even if the ERA jumps up to 370, if you're getting 110 whip and 370 ERA over 200 plus innings, yeah, again, you're only going to get 150 Ks, but I don't mind. Yeah, I, oh, I, I, the argument I always make about chasing like a 3738 in a 12 teamer is you're not getting a 3738 through the full year. You're getting normally it's like split if you just by odds like half of it is bad and half of it is good like first half second half like this is the whole thing I had about Eduardo Rodriguez of sure he ended the year like a three eight one ERA one year but it was a four three seven through the first four months and they rectified it right mm. and so as a fantasy manager not only are you hoping that the three seven sticks around but you're hoping that it starts well <laughs> and then you can get rid of it when it's not right or maybe it just is even the entire way through you know um. I don't know. It, it's it's to to go for a three seven out of the gate. Yeah, makes it really tough uh, as a fantasy fantasy manager when you're not salvaging strikeouts in a start. I hear you. Well, speaking of guys with fantastic uh, or crazy month to month splits, this next guy has some crazy ones, and we're going to get to him right after this break. And we're back. So this is uh, this guy's interesting. Started off the season smoking hot. He's coming in at number 95. Then he kind of faltered a bit and was able to actually end the year pretty well. And that's Eric Lauer. 193 ERA in the first month. Totally unsustainable. But a 683 ERA in June is also not who he was. Worth noting that, you know, we we're just kind of talking about things leveling out and what that looks like because, you know, the, the ERA that you get at the end of the year comes with peaks and valleys. He had a 364 overall first half and a 375 overall oh, second half. It, it was even different than that. It was a 182 ERA and a 0.94 whip through his first five games, and then a 412 mm-hmm. ERA and a 129 whip after that. You're taking into account that that terrible June, right? But if you if we're it's kind of cherry picking. We're saying the first five starts were great, and then everything else after that was terrible. The first five starts were really good. Sure, then he had some really close. poor that was starts. Bad, right? Yeah. I mean, okay, and then he I, settled. From, from July on, it was 336 ERA, which is good. 122 yeah. whip, 10% yeah, walk rate, 23% K rate. Right. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So, you still had some Ks. Yeah. The ERA was all right. But, right. There was like up and down. He had a seven and run game, but then he had this. Uh, I essentially called him a cherry bomb last year. 
Uh, he had a game, I believe, with 21 whiffs on his four-seamer alone. Oh Eric Lauer, which is just like, what? That's, oh my gosh. 94th percentile swing strike rate on that four-seamer, which is pretty dang cool. Mm. Um, and batting average allowed on it, 92nd percentile, the 188. It's just, I don't know if that four-seamer is going to be good enough on a given day. And the other stuff isn't really dominating at all. Yeah. 25% CSW on the slider. Curveball gets a lot of called strikes, which is nice, but that's because he throws it mostly early. 75% of the curveballs that he throws are early in counts. And then you have the cutter, which is not what we wanted it to be. It's a 20th percentile batting average allowed. Um, It makes for a cherry bomb in my view. Um, I'm glad to see that the four seamer got better. That increases velocity once again to 93.5. At times it was at 94 and got me so hyped. Um, it's gone. It's essentially gained a tick each of the last three years, 2020, 21, 22. Hopefully that trend continues. But to me right now, Eric Lauer is like, I don't know what we're going to get. And then he's going to get the Mets first. And I don't want to start Eric Lauer against the Mets. And yeah. It's that it's that scenario. I mean, we're at 95 right now. We sure. have guys. These are guys that are not drafted in your 12 teamer. And you can target other ones that we talked about last week uh, with, uh, let's say, Carlos Carrasco. You can go after Zach Eflin or Garrett Whitlock or Jose Quintana, uh, James and Tyone, Marcus Stroman, all of these that have good starts that you actually want to start these guys for out of the gate instead of taking chances against tough offenses. Sure. And I, I see Eric Lauer, like you're drafting. This is after the 20th round. You should not expect to have this guy for the entire season. Anyway, you're saying, Oh, you can accept the three ERA. That's more for 15 teamers and beyond for, for 12 teamers. Mm, I'm not, I'm not interested in this. Now, if Eric Lauer does all of a sudden have a ridiculously good slider and curveball or cutter or something that like really stands out and the four seamers sustains itself as a 31% CSW and a 14% swing strike rate, then okay, Eric Lauer, we're, we're talking here. Um, but man, riding him up through the entire season, Lauer drove me nuts because one day he'd had those 25 whiffs or 24 whiffs on his four seamer. The next day, he had four of them. Yeah. And it's just, why are you doing this to me? It's so painful. Yeah. It's almost like the, the ceiling is there with the four seamer, but the consistency isn't. And that could be because of, like you mentioned, the kind of lack of other pitches. The curveball just like, I was looking into like hard hit fly ball stuff because I feel like there's two categories. There's guys who allow who don't allow like hard hit fly balls at all, like Logan Gilbert, which is great. And then there's guys that allow hard hit fly balls, but park factors or defense doesn't make, uh, you know, doesn't punish them as much. He didn't give up a lot of, of hard hit fly balls, just 41% rate, which is actually closer to the bottom of the league. But when he did, they were demolished. He gave up a, <laughs> a, a, a Woba over one. He had a 1.11 Woba oh on hard hit fly balls. Now, Wobas are, are like the league average for hard hit fly balls is like 870. So it's already, of course, relatively high. But like mm-hmm. he just got demolished. He just seemed like he couldn't. If I recall correctly, it was like something too where like, yeah, his low location, the low lock on the curveball was below league average. Like It doesn't seem like either he it doesn't seem like he was interested in getting it super low or if he was, he wasn't able to successfully drop the pitch below the zone for whiffs the way that he needed to. And he would right. just leave that curveball over the heart of the plate and not a good thing to do in that park. And it just got demolished. So you're right. I would like to see if there's any theoretical gains he could make in any of the breaking pitch department. Um, Cause I also don't yeah. know if the cutter is it either. 
92 percentile of YM lock on the curveball. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's funny. It's funny. We, I, Brandon Lundberg um, and I talked about percentiles and like how do we decide what is a good or bad percentile. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these, it's just like high number, high high percentile, right? And that's one yeah. of them, YM lock. Like traditionally, no, that would be like eighth percentile or so of YM lock because I think it's a terrible thing to have. But yeah, he's he's one of the highest and at 26% for his curveball. So Lauer, stop doing that. Get the ball down. But then again, he's just using his show me pitches early in the county as a 30 plus called strike rate on it. Like it's mm. achieving for the most part what he wants it to, but it's not enough to release really, uh, to complement the four seamer. Um, let's take a look at this next guy who is Do you know kind him? of in- <laughs> uh, he's he's very interesting. Um when you're when you're kind of breaking down the numbers, it's number ninety six, and it's Aaron Savali. Aaron Savali, obviously, not great numbers on the entirety of the year, but an injury plagued season for him that saw him return only ninety seven innings. Um, he sadly hasn't really been able to put together a season where he's thrown like over a hundred and thirty. It looks like so he might just be a guy who, who's just kind of perpetually plagued by injury. The the four ninety two ERA does not tell the whole tale. Absolutely not. He he was he was injured at the beginning of the year. It seems like because he hit the aisle a few times, and it was bad. It was really bad. Um, yeah. But the second half between July and uh, July August and September never saw him put an ERA up above three point five. Yet a three thirty five ERA in the second half, although the samples were relatively small. A lot of people might just remember him having a not so great performance in game five of, I think it was the ALDS. Um, well, it wasn't the wild card round. I think it was the DS. Um, but he's a little bit more than that. And I kind of like him here because I don't think he's going to be in a lot of people's top 100s. But there is still some, there are some flashes of upside for Aaron Savali, right? Oh, boy. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> Aaron Savali to me he's got an amazing curveball it's such a good curveball but i don't like anything else i mean i understand he came back from injury on august 10th and had a 335 era 0.84 whip and a 28 percent k rate the rest of the way but he also faced detroit detroit to start off where i mean one of those games were 10 strikeouts last two games of the year against the royals the white Sox weren't really putting up a fight the rangers weren't putting up a fight he went against the the Padres and the Mariners, and those were the two worst starts I think that he had during the stretch, on uh, combining for just eleven uh, innings and five earned runs, four walks, nine Ks, and um, I, I see someone who still hasn't quite put it all together. Where the fastballs get crushed. I mean, I think this his sinker PLV I think is one of the worst I've seen. Um, it is eighth percentile of yeah. sinkers, uh, 4.2. The, the average is 4.65 for a righty. Um, and uh, it's just, I don't know. The curveball is only 20% usage right now. I want that to be like a 40% usage. It, it's ridiculously good. I uh, Five plus PLV on it. Um, quality pitch percentages, well above average, uh, around 45%. It, it just does wonderful things. The The cutter is solid and it works for him. 70% strike rate is really good. And it allows him to go pretty much cutter curveball as much as he wants. But he's still throwing about 30% fastballs at this point. And that singer is just not good enough. The four seamer 
literally is one percentile swinging strike rate at 3.6%. Um, and it's also first percentile in hard contact at 48%. Uh, so don't throw it. And it's just got to be curveball cutter. Somehow this has got to make that work. Maybe, I don't know, figure some way out of sneaking in sinkers better, even though he does it decently well, 22% called strike rate. Aaron Savali, because of this, is a little bit of a cherry bomb for me. The good news is that the Guardians let him start. Um, maybe they'll still get some wins. And I uh, and the curveball is really good. So maybe he can sustain a 20% plus strikeout rate. I mean, really like a 22% or something like that. I hope so. I don't want to start him against the Mariners to start the year. Yeah. So That's I'm just going to kind of see how his arsenal looks out of the gate and take it from there. Okay. Um, moving on to uh, who is this? This is number 97 as we have four remaining. Number 97, still a free agent, which is a little bit surprising considering he possessed one of the best changeups in baseball, arguably, last year. <laughs> Ooh, sorry. That was a weird breath. Was- uh, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I got so, so taken. Uh, wow, so taken. What was that noise? That was like a... <sighs> I don't oh, know. Man. I think it was like a throat fart. Um, yeah. I I, so... uh, if you don't know, in Twitch, uh, my sub sound mm. is me making the making that yeah, noise. Yeah, that, yeah. And I did it accidentally <laughs> while recording the plus pitch once. That was and a ways I said, ago. What was that? And then I and then I highlighted it and did all the audio enhancements to make a oh, giant God. chunk. And so, yeah, if you if you uh, subscribe to my Twitch, that's the sound you will. That's hear, what you so. can hear. Twitch.tv backslash pitchalist. There it um, is. The person we are talking about is, of course, uh, Michael Waka. Um, PLV loves Michael Waka's changeup, 98th 98. percentile Woo-wee. in terms of PLV. Uh, only 14% four-time percentile, 14th percentile on average pitch. Just a lot of quality pitches. 98th percentile in quality pitch. And it makes sense, right? A 21% swinging strike rate is 90th percentile. 168 batting average against just a 11.8%, about 12.12% hard contact, which is fantastic. The thing is, he cannot go, uh, he cannot throw a lot of innings. He has not thrown more than 150 innings since 2017. Um, and even then, he just threw 165. Uh, to me, also, it's a little bit like, okay, it's February 9th. Guys are going to report in a week. There's already places he could sign people need yeah. above average pitchers and he's still not signed which to me says maybe people don't really like those uh the 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 physicals the medicals that they're seeing from from michael waka mm-hmm. or maybe he's holding out for uh, uh, some deal you'd think he wouldn't be at this point the four seam isn't the worst pitch i've ever seen it's not the best but he's he inconsistent a- it's it's hyper focused yeah. on location and okay. there are nights there are nights where Michael Walker can spot the four seamer and then opens the door for the changeup to dominate. Hmm. And then there are nights when it's just not, and it's, oh boy, it, it can be very rough. Um, I think the start that kind of opened my eyes a bit to Michael Walker was that August 14th outing, uh, Sunday night baseball, seven innings, zero and runs, nine strikeouts. And he was just dotting hmm. everything. And I didn't really buy it beforehand. Uh, I didn't really want to lean into this he felt like a cherry bomb uh he would have uh, there was a four game stretch where he didn't get more than three strikeouts in any game 
you know, and it's just I can't I can't rely on this whatsoever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he throws a complete game shutout against the Angels. You go, what? How did you what? How did you do that? Is that what? No. Oh, you're throwing a take harder on your fastball. Okay, I get that. It it just seems so variable. And by the end, I mean, the last two games were 11 earned runs. Believe it or not, he had a 332 URA. His last two starts were 11 earned runs. If you remove those, can you you guess how low his ERA goes? Mm, Two. Two? No, it it doesn't go to two fast. Three. <laughs> Three, <laughs> four, five. No, stop, stop um, me when I get there. All right, no, it gets to two seven. Two, I got seven, the first number right. Yeah, I know fast. Two seven ERA, one oh six WHIP, twenty uh, percent K rate. Um, if you remove those last two starts, which I I can't remember the name of it, but Ariel Cohen will tell you the person, I uh, that like pitched for the Mets and like the last day of the season had like a ten run game or something and messed up his season ERA. It's like you just ignore the last game, guys. And uh, but I don't know. It, it's it, I don't know what his first start is going to be at this point. And if it's against a cushy matchup, yeah, throw him into the Carrasco tier, right? Like, yeah, I'll go after him in his first start. What the heck? But for the most part, I just don't want to buy into this. I don't think he has enough of enough depth in that repertoire. I think the fastball is too variable and changeups really good. But maybe that was the peak for the changeup, too. Yeah, it could have been. That's a good point. Um, we have three more guys that we're going to get to. But before we do, we're going to take another quick break. So you might be thinking, huh, there's only really three guys left. Nick isn't really going to go a little bit long in this podcast. And it's interesting <laughs> because I, I think there's a lot more skin in the game for guys like the 50s and 60s. Those are the ones that really are defining your season a bit. Those are the, That's the guy I'm going to go for in drafts or so. And at this point, I mean, especially considering it's like the knuckleball tiers, all the Toby's like, yeah, all right, I guess this guy or so. However, I think these last three, there are going to be some people that like, this is the person I am going for. Um, The first one I'm out on. The second one I think is kind of a sleeper because not enough people are giving him credit for what he's done in the past. And the third, I could not be less interested in but uh, i know a lot of people are and i mean i know he's 100 as opposed to 300 yeah (laughs) but there's some that are just prophesizing that he is breaking out and i just i don't this is you know know those times is there there one analyst that when they agree with you it just just makes you so unbelievably happy who would that be it's always it's eno for everyone yeah, yeah, and it's Eno. So Eno and I agree on 100. I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's Eno, you're right. It's just so funny. It's because we're all see such a big influence to all of us. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, but anyway, so who's the first one, Fast? The first one uh, coming in at number 98, who I think you referred to as not that into, is Ronzi Contreras. That kind of makes sense. Pirates, I was so frustrated with how the Pirates used him. <clears throat> Rather than give him kind of large swaths of time at the bigs, he would get called up and then he would swaths. pitch. <laughs> yeah, swaths of time. Yeah, we want he swaths would... more. <laughs> I, I, at first, I liked it because I think he was coming in relief and I really enjoyed that. I liked that they were kind of like letting him figure it out in the relief role and then they would just send him down. Um, 
there were like in his time up with the club, he would have peaks like a five and two thirds start against Arizona with eight K's and no one runs. And Valley is like a one and two thirds innings pitch start with seven and runs against Milwaukee. Um, his numbers just as a starter, if you removed relief is 87 and a third innings with a three, eight, one ERA, a 20% K rate and a 10% walk rate and a one thirty one whip. That four seam slider combination is interesting. Let's start with the positive. The slider is nasty. 45% O swing on that pitch with a 24% swinging strike rate. Doesn't throw it in the zone. Doesn't need to. The four seam, however, is a little bit of a garbage pitch. He goes glove side with the four seamer 58% of the time to righties. And I don't know why he is throwing it to the barrel of righties. It's very confusing to me. He returned a 462 Woba with a near 50% hard contact rate, I believe, on just glove side four seamers. So he went glove side a lot and he got hammered when he went glove side. I don't know if it's just because he doesn't know where the four seam is going or because it's a deliberate choice, but I think it's because he doesn't know where the four seam is going. Not just indicative of the zone rate of the four, uh, on the four seam, but also indicative because of the high walk rate from Rowan's Contreras. There is upside, right? If he can find a way to control that four seamer, it's nice. Uh, and maybe if he can stop throwing a glove side to righties because it doesn't seem like it can work so well, it's nice. And the slider is fantastic. But man, that is a volatile pitcher in my mind. Man, you just reminded me of a story of uh, in high school where I I'm sorry, Ben Light. I never really knew you um, when he, he was a senior. I was I was like a, a sophomore. So this big guy, like unbelievably like jacked for a senior in high school. And he was only pitching because he's just strong. You know those guys, right? That like, yeah, sure. especially in high school, they're not like actual pitchers. They're just like you're big and strong. Like you should be able to throw hard. Sure. So I uh, so he's pitching and he's having some trouble. You like walk a couple of guys, and the coach goes out and talks to him on the mound, and he you literally like it's still you're far away from the mound. You really are able to hear any sort of conversation that's on the mound, right? Okay. But I. Uh, <laughs> but you hear Ben shout, I have no idea where the blanket's going. Like just sh- at the top of his lungs, mm. just shouting it. And then, it. and then like 30 seconds later, he's out of the game. <laughs> 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 like that's it. And you know, you just said like, Oh, you're Ronzi Contreras. Oh, he's out of the game. You know, oh, he doesn't know where it's going. Right. And it's like, oh, yeah, I have no idea where it's going. Um, Sorry, Ben. Anyway, yeah, it was a 39th percentile PLV of 474 on the four-seamer, which is not good at all. Um, he was thrown hard at 97 in relief. Then he came to start at the beginning of the year. It was like 96 in change. I was still like, all right, but this is fine. He had to start under 94 by the end. And it could have been one of those things of Ronzi getting fatigued in his first year, trying sure. to do too much at the beginning and then so on. But man, I... Uh, I don't know. I, I just I just find this as a combination of you're not going to get many wins. You're on the Pirates. Uh, you're not going to get the best development because you're on the Pirates. Uh, your fastball has a big issue um, that I don't know if I buy into. And the slider, believe it or not, we don't love it. Uh, 33rd percentile in PLV. Mm. Um, super high swinging strike rate, but only a 10% called strike rate. That might be why it might have overperformed. It's hard contact with 22%. He made a lot of mistakes with it. He overthrew it at times too. Um, there's still polish to be had across the board here. And Rwanzi, 
it's possible he keeps taking the steps forward. I, I understand that completely. It's just way too risky and turns into one of those hipsters, headache-inducing pitchers stifling the entire roster that if you get excited about and you draft them and then you start them because you're just excited about it, it doesn't go well. Do I drop them? No, but Ruansi, I believe in you. It's going to go great. And it's all of a sudden you're holding on to this guy for far too long. He does go yeah. into Cincinnati for his first start of the year. Say what you want no. about that. Yeah, you're not in because of Great American Small Park. I get that. Uh, so if you're not doing that, then What's you the want to go after the Red Sox after? <laughs> nah. Yeah, I don't want to do that either. So I don't want to draft Ronzi Contreras. All right, let's move on then to the penultimate pitcher of this podcast and of the top 100, and that's Eduardo Rodriguez. Now, I don't, I honestly don't even know what to make of his of his, right? of his stuff last but that's, year. I mean, but that's good. There are times of like, especially for a guy that's just not getting really drafted much. Mm-hmm. I want there to be a mystery box. I want there to be confusion and not really knowing how to make of something. Right? Yeah. <laughs> mm, I feel like maybe. I really sold you. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I just it's just because like too he's I don't know I I, I don't I don't know I, I, maybe because I like a little more a little more surety in my life. What's like well, why right. am I playing fantasy baseball then? But uh, absolutely. Uh, so he for just to remind people too, Eduardo Rodriguez did, it took about three months away from baseball last year because of personal reasons and family matters that he needed to attend to, and then came back to throw about 91 innings. And, you know, he, he in some ways improved upon a rough 2021 in terms of whip, but it was still a 133 whip and a 405 ERA. You know, there was a lot of hype and a lot of excitement to see what Eduardo Rodriguez to do in his first year outside of Boston. And some of these things are so far off of what Eduardo Rodriguez is that I don't even know if it was really Eduardo Rodriguez pitching. I just don't know if that was him. I mean, like an 18% K rate over 91 innings. He he hasn't had a, that's his lowest ever. He had an 18% K rate in 2015, but like that's not him. He's always been at least a 20% K rate guy, usually like a 25% K rate guy you look very shocked about something what's going on over there oh my gosh Hmm. um curiosity got me okay i so i actually was like do you remember entering last year um 2021 eduardo rodriguez had this 364 babbit and we're all like there's no way this is gonna stick around Mm -hmm. um and he's gonna be much better in detroit we like all of this this is fine he had 9.8 per nine all of that and yeah, it did drop to 280. That was correct. But the whip dropped six points. Um, but I was curious, like, you know what? Here I am talking about hit luck. Like, surely the 364 Babbitt would have said, like, hit luck was, like, plus 30 or something, right? Mm-hmm. Minus six in oh, 2021. God, even more right? hits. Right. So then I thought to myself, wait a second. Where have I seen a 364 Babbitt before? Oh, right. That was what Kevin Gosman's was this past year. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm curious if like our hit luck is just messed up. Like, what's going on? What do you think Kevin Gosman's hit luck first in 2021 was, and then in 2022? Now, I want to remind you, it was a 275 BABIP overall for Gosman in 2021, and then it was a 364 in 2022. Wait, what was sorry? What was the BABIP in 2021? 
The Babbitt in 2021 was 275. So that means he would and have and had... keep in mind last year overall the hit luck average of every starter was negative three, right? So if you're thinking like, oh, because it's not just one pitch, it's all of them, it should be a higher or lower number. Well, not necessarily because it still normalizes for the most part around negative three. Yeah, I would say in 2021 it was like a negative 46. Okay, you're looking things up. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheater. Negative 46. And uh-huh. then a positive 37. That's a swing. Oh, my. That's I, a that, swing. Yeah, what do you know? It's the first percentile of hit luck, um, which is so interesting to me because it, it and I then went, okay, straight to the four-seamer. Hit luck was plus 16. Maybe I should be different on Gosman. I'm at, this actually is like the most convincing argument of like, I've been trying to translate this bab of the entire offseason. And... Uh, so sorry. I just uh, also, wow, is it the same in? Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. I know I'm just being ridiculous now. Anyway, so we so, are yeah. talking about Eduardo Rodriguez. Here, I know, I know, I know. Forgot. But it's like it's. It, I think that's a, an important point. Is just to kind of put reference of that. Um, but yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez. The the really what I'm going for here is we had these expectations entering this past year for him moving from the Red Sox to the Tigers. We didn't really get to see it in action. We just didn't really get any of it. And you can make an argument of a lost season a bit here for Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, That said, the four-seamer dropped dramatically when it came to swing strike. We're talking 15% plus swing striker in 2021 down to 8%, which ain't ain't it. That's not right. Um, So something did change there um, and not in a good way. And I hope he gets that back. Um, spin was the same. If you're thinking like some sticky stuff, uh, elements, if you think it's X movement, Y movement, uh, pretty much the same in that way. Release points look the same. Extensions looks the same to me. I don't know why. Maybe location was different. Uh, high lock. Yep. Oh boy. Dropped 20 points, not 20%, like 59% to 39%. So there you go. Just get the ball back up and maybe you can get that swing strike rate back. Edward Rodriguez on your four seamer. But yeah, I, I, I kind of, I'm a little interested. I think a lot of people are not going to start him right out of the gate. He gets the raise. I think that's kind of weird. You never know what the raise are going to be like. And you're just like, ah, let's just not deal with that early. But he's going to likely be on the wire. And Eduardo Rodriguez could do well there. I mean, everyone goes, wait a second. Yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez. That used to be really good. He had this all season and that couldn't work out. And that's the all the analysis you're going to get from me. I mean, last bit. <laughs> last bit. <laughs> you lied. I lied. I should mention the strikeout rates of previous seasons were actually like really good, like 24% plus the last three seasons, and then all of a sudden dropped to 18%. And you got to think that he can get that back a bit. So uh, I think yeah, I think he's someone we should all be aware of. Okay. Well, let's move on then to the final pitcher of this podcast, uh, a guy that you seem to not be as in on. Kevin Gosman, having. Yeah. <laughs> Despite having a, a really, really good uh, slider, especially in terms of uh, mitigating hard contact, and that's Justin Steele. So he's our Justin Steele. Sorry. Thank you. I was about to uh, correct you. Yeah, I know. I know. So why are you know, he's here. He's number 100, which is usually kind of the, you know, the fun thing. Like, sure, some nice fun upside. However, as you kind of said in an in earlier preamble, not really into the number three for the Cubs, huh? 
how do you feel about Justin Steele? I like that he's able to mitigate hard contact. I mean, it's a different profile. Sure, the slider doesn't get a lot of whiffs overall. I mean, it gets about a league average amount of whiffs. But if he's mitigating the hard contact that he can uh, that that he gets overall, I kind of dig that. I also dig the fact that like I was we were researching a lot of lefties recently, uh, and they just these a lot of these lefties were not able to get out. Uh, right-handed pitchers um, which is like well if you're a lefty and you can't get right-handed pitchers out you're probably going to be having a, a little bit of difficulty and Justin Steele was relatively good at, uh, at getting out right-handed hitters he wasn't terrible uh, he had a 300 Woba overall against right-handed hitters which is still top 20 um, so I don't know I, I can understand why he's kind of a fun upside play I don't know if I necessarily buy uh, into that four seamer as much because he really is for all intents and purposes just a four seam slider guy overall um, so yeah that's kind of what I think about Justin Steele oh my gosh I Kevin Gosman's splitter had a plus for 10 the love of God <laughs> plus 10 zero percentile on that uh, slider had a plus eight hit luck six percentile on that so it's all steps forward for Gossman is what you're saying. Yeah, I, I'm I'm oh, I got to I just put out the top three. Why didn't I? Why didn't we have I a whole podcast next before? week about changes. Oh, but I'm going to make changes already. Where am I? Where, where do I put Gosman after that? 21. You put him at 21. No, I after this, I'm saying. Oh, um, I can put him above Urias. Do I put him above Manoa then? Oh, man. Yeah, I think you could put him at 18. Uh, Gal- I mean, it's all so close. I- I'll put him above Arius. Very not too terrible swap. Yeah. Everyone's waiting to hear your thoughts about Justin Steele, not about Kevin Gausman. He's got a good slider and a terrible fastball. That's it? That's why you hate him? You <laughs> so much about how you're out on him. I mean, there's that's not enough. It's just it's a really good slider. Uh, I mean, it's not like this unreal, amazing, oh my gosh, slider, slider, can't get enough. Oh boy, where's the slider coming? Can I get its autograph slider? I, I don't want that. Yeah, I, I this don't is feel the analysis like that, that yeah. people come <laughs> But I, I mean, the four-seamer, I think it's fine. There, ha- there were days when all of a sudden you just got so many whiffs on it upstairs, but he just doesn't really do that too often. And everything else isn't good enough. And what's the rule with two pitches fast? Uh, they should be best friends. Um, no, they, they both should. better be darn good. They both, yeah, they both be. Good. Yeah, I only trust two pitch pitchers if they're both elite pitches, and it's not the case for Steel. I don't. I don't even know if the slider is like actually elite. I mean, I understand the the hard contact was really good. The batting average line was good. The results were good. Um, PLV saying that he had actually 90th percentile of hit luck. Uh, Eleven hits uh, fewer um, than he should have, which is kind of interesting. Um, but I, yeah, it's, a, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't buy into this as much as I want to, um, for, for Justin Steele. And I think those that are going to lean in on it, I don't know. I think you're going to get hurt a little bit. Also, I talked about Tyone and Smiley and Strowman, like, oh man, their schedule. It's great. He goes and gets Cincinnati in Cincinnati. Do you yeah, want that? No, thanks. No, thanks no. Right. First start of the no, year. Thanks. So I see the twenty five percent K rate from Justin Steele. That's probably going to be lower. It's probably going to be like twenty one, twenty two, something like that. I'm not that interested. It was a one thirty five right. whip last year. I think that's going to stay maintain. He had a ten percent walk rate. Like 
he has yeah, to get demonstrably better. You know, yeah, that's a good point. Ten percent Walker, it's a really good point. But uh, who was it? It was his rookie year last year, right? I no fifty-seven innings it was. in twenty twenty-one. 57 2021 okay so yeah then there goes that kind of theory too um i remember like the, the jitters and stuff saying, i mean 11 percent into 10 percent. i mean it's still possible that he's figuring things no, out but haters. i mean that fits kyle, kyle Bodie tweeted about and the, you know, responded in the thread that we had about hunter about, green saying yeah. uh, about like command I, I don't even look at command numbers in the first year because of it and he's right and that it improved but the, this provides a band of how much it yeah. could improve, which is like one. Also, hit, homer per nine was 0. 0.6, and that just isn't likely to stick around. 93. Yeah, that's a good point, know, especially in that park. Um, Nick, we did it. We we broke down. We had 10 different podcasts. We broke down 100 <laughs> players. Well, There's we actually so probably broke down like 90. There's yeah. so many more to talk about, but we're not going to talk about them today. We're going to end today. Oh. It was a delicious, delightful podcast. We added an final parting words. Yes, actually. Um, you know what's really surprising? Hmm. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, I mean, do you want to hear it or not? Fast? I do. I do. That was a, it was a warm. Hmm. Okay. Kevin Gosman's quality pitch. Oh my God. Bad pitch percentage was 97th percentile on the four seamer. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> we have plenty to talk about in our top 100 recap next week. That is for sure. But that is going to do it for this episode of On the Corner, the official pitcherlist.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock. And we'll talk to you guys next week. 